and manifest himself in, in special ways, and we're experiencing that now during this season. Our life teams that Renee mentioned uh, start next week, and uh, we're emphasizing the Holy Spirit and His work in our lives. So when you go to choose a life team, you'll notice that many of them, not all of them, but many of them are focusing on the Holy Spirit. And um, as a matter of fact, I'll be doing a life team this, this season as well. It's open to everyone. It's happened to be on a Saturday night. It's called Holy Spirit Fall. And um, I want to stir up the gifts of God in you and in this church. We meet here on 6 o'clock on Saturday evening, and this coming Saturday is our first one, September 29th, and uh, Garfield and Tricia are helping me host that. So um, if you want to be a part of my life team, you're welcome to be here on uh, for Saturday night, 6 o'clock, we'll be in the hospitality suite. Um, Holy Spirit fall. Can you say amen to that? Amen. All right. Thank God. It's so good to... Uh, open the scripture with you this morning and share some things that I think will be a blessing to you. I uh, look forward to spending time with you immediately after the service. We'll be going down to the Epic Center and outside having some good fun and food together. And I look forward to that. Uh, you know, um, Houston and this portion of Texas uh, suffered an emotional wound, to say the least. When storms come through of this magnitude in nature, they have a very disrupting um, and injurious way. Um, and so this is a good time for you and I to be together and do some celebrating and just get healed and so that we can move on with our lives. I look forward to seeing you there. Today is indeed Family and Friends Day. Um, it's a celebration of relationships in our lives, relationships that are meaningful and certainly uh, add to our lives in a very special way. You know, uh, family and friends uh, are the greatest or primary source of happiness and pleasure in our lives. I cannot imagine what my life would be like if it were not for the people that populate my world, especially family and friends and the body of Christ at large. You know, there's all kind of activities and involvements that I'm involved in, and you have yours as well. And they do add to life, um, everything from sports and entertainment to um, household pets. Uh, all these things add something to our life. But you know, it's a proven fact that you can have all the things and all the accomplishments of life, but if you don't have people to enjoy it with, they're not pleasurable. Because it's, the, it's people that make life worth living. If you're building a career, if you have some personal goals you're reaching for, and you don't have anyone to enjoy that pursuit and ultimately the reward of those goals, then it means nothing at all. The fact is, relationships is what life is really made of, and it makes a difference in whether we are happy or not. You know, you can have problems in your career, you can be struggling in pursuits that you've engaged in. But if relationships around you are healthy and fruitful, then it makes it all right. On the other hand, you can have everything in the world going your way. But if your relationships are breaking down, inevitably, whatever's going right is robbed of the joy because of those relationships that might not be. I'm just taking a moment to emphasize the importance of healthy relationships and how they add happiness and pleasure in our lives. 
alone in life is never a happy life at all. You know, happiness is a precious thing. Uh, we all need more of it. We're all pursuing happiness, and we're all protecting what happiness we do have. So today I want to talk to you about what the Bible says about happiness and how you can have more of it. How many of you want more of it? Let's go to the book of Luke, chapter 10, verses 17 through 21, and this is from the life of Christ. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. But don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are written in heaven. And that same time, at that same time, Jesus was filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit and said, O Father of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do it this way. Can you say amen? amen? Let's talk about Jesus for just a moment. How do you picture Jesus? I believe that most of us picture Jesus in our minds as being what's somewhat serious, somber, if not even sad. It probably comes from some of the traditional portraits of Christ. Some great artist in some day gone by pictured Jesus in a certain way, and those portraits were duplicated, and we kind of have this picture of Jesus, and it, it's seldom ever a, a, a happy, lighthearted pose, but it's always more solemn. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Here's a picture that most of us had in our Bibles when we were growing up. I've got a couple of more I want to show you, too. Look at, look at this picture. Obviously, on the, the bow of a boat, a very serious, business-like pose that was in so many Bibles. And then here's a, a, a blue-eyed Jesus who seems rather sad and rather solemn. One more. Uh, and here's Jesus in the garden, of course, uh, He's obviously very serious in that pose. And so because of these pictures that you and I have kind of grown up with of what someone supposed Jesus looked like physically, we really don't know, but this is what we have. Here's a picture that uh, is one of a smiling Jesus. We've only begun to, begun to see these smiling, laughing Jesuses in the last couple of decades. But for centuries, you never saw Jesus with a smile on his face or even a pleasant countenance. It was always more of a serious thing. And people have caught on to the idea that, you know, Jesus probably wasn't sad, somber, and serious all the time. He probably had some lighthearted, happy moments. Well, he certainly did. As a matter of fact, I just read to you one of those moments where it says that Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit. You look a little closer at that word, and you find out that the word rejoice means to be extremely glad, to maybe even leap and dance. Here's a picture of Jesus you might never have thought of. The disciples come back. They said, Jesus, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he gets so excited, he begins to leap and to dance and to celebrate with them. I believe that Jesus had a happy moment. He had a happy moment. 
And he engaged in activity and expressions that were consistent with what the disciples were feeling. It was a happy moment for the Lord. We have other happy moments of Jesus. You know, uh, most every child learns how to quote the shortest verse in the Bible. It's from the time when Jesus' uh, best friend Lazarus had died. The Bible simply said, Jesus wept. But you know, you keep on reading that passage. After Lazarus came back to life, the Bible said Jesus rejoiced with them, and he celebrated with them. Somehow, we've got the needle pointed more toward the sad, somber Jesus and not enough toward the happy, lighthearted Jesus that probably enjoyed his life and enjoyed what he was doing. We also see stories about Jesus that he told about a shepherd that went out and found a lost sheep and how there was a great celebration as a result of it. Then he told about how that every time a sinner comes to him and is saved, how that the angels themselves rejoice. All of heaven has a celebration when these things happen. So we take just a moment today to realize that Jesus had happy moments. There were times and seasons of his life when he enjoyed life, he enjoyed the moment, and he enjoyed the people that was around him. I believe this gives us the authority to do the very same thing. Christians should not be sad and somber, about half sad and serious about everything, but there are happy moments that God gives us in life, and we have to know how to appreciate and enjoy those moments. Jesus captured one for us here when the disciples returned. You ask yourself the question, why was Jesus so happy? Well, it's very clear when you read these verses. First of all, Jesus was happy because Satan was defeated. You see, they were in another city, in another town, and Jesus couldn't see them with his natural eye. But he saw into the spirit realm what was happening in the natural. And in the spirit realm, he said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. So Jesus was happy because he saw Satan defeated. Jesus was happy because he saw the joy in the disciples' heart for having blessed other people's lives and delivered them from diseases and sickness and demonic oppression. He got happy because he could see how happy his disciples were. Jesus was happy because he realized that the plan to authorize his disciples, to give them power over the powers of darkness, was actually a working plan. And what he had dreamed of was coming into fulfillment. And this made him very, very happy. And then finally, he talks about how that their names were registered in heaven, that they were a part of his family, and ultimately his family would all be together with him. So these were good reasons that Jesus was happy. He may have shouted, he may have danced, he may have leaped in the air, but it was a happy moment for Jesus. You know, I believe that you and I have happy moments throughout the day and throughout the week. They're not all happy, but there are many happy moments. I believe that awareness is a key to happiness. Sometimes we can pass through a happy moment. We can go right through a a, a wonderful event and pass right through it and never even realize the happiness that was invested in it. But if we can simply become aware of happy moments, suddenly our life might get a lot, lot better. 
Because a, a lot of good things do happen in the course of a day. Sometimes they're unnoticed. Sometimes they're unappreciated. But if we could somehow become aware of them, how much better our life might become. Now, we're in a spiritual setting today, but I want to talk about just normal, day-to-day, happy moments. Things that happen in your life and mine that make us happy, that make us enjoy life more. Just happy, happy moments. Some of the things that I thought it would be, uh, sometimes when, when things work out really well, a plan really comes together, and things just go smoothly, that's a happy moment. When plans you were dreading, something was about to happen, you just didn't want to go there and didn't want to do that, but sure enough, uh, it was canceled, and so suddenly it's like, whoo, thank the Lord, I don't have to do that now. Maybe you're, driving down the, uh, maybe you're driving down the road and two of your favorite songs play on the radio back to back. I mean, two great songs, one right after the other. Maybe when you just finished a good book and you're just sort of uh, basking in, man, that was a great read, and, and just enjoying it, that moment could be really wonderful. I like surprises, good surprises anyway, and every once in a while something wonderful happened that is just a surprise. I like um, a genuinely... Uh, a, a, a genuine laugh that just comes from the inside, the kind that kind of makes you sore after it's over with. These are, these are happy moments. Sometimes I like to be somewhere where I want to laugh, but I can't laugh because it's not appropriate to laugh at that time and setting. I like those moments when you finally get somewhere where you can just finally laugh. It's just a happy moment. I like unexpected presence and gift. I like it when the lights are all green and the traffic opens up and I get where I want to be really, really fast. I like it when I hear an old song and I can remember the melody and all the words just come back to me. It's a happy, happy moment. I like naps that are so wonderfully timed and I don't feel groggy and drugged when I wake up. I like to get a text message from somebody right out of the blue that is remembering me in a missing kind of a way. I love to get little things from my grandkids that they made, artwork and crafts just for me. I like the smell of fresh cut grass, fresh cut hay, pine needles, and just a fresh crisp wind blowing. Always smells really good to me. I like every compliment that people pay to me. I take compliments really, really well. I've learned to enjoy them to the very depth of my being. I like laughing so hard, uh, telling a story, and then laughing so hard you can't finish the story because you're laughing so hard you can't quite get it out. I like these things. Um, I like it when I clean out my garage or my closet. I throw things away, and I love to finish projects that I started but didn't get finished, but I finally got them finished. I'm kind of a, a list kind of a guy, and I love to check things off my list. Done, <laughs> forgotten, deleted, it's over with. I love that kind of stuff. They just give me a happy, happy, happy moment. I like sleeping in my own bed when I've been gone for several nights and just going back into my own bed, my own pillow. I mean, it's just a happy moment. To let, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? Just in, in your own, own time and way. I love all those things. It's just happy, happy moments. I like it when I get rid of my hiccups. 
just like, whew, thank God, that was a God. <laughs> I like the smell of a fire burning in the wintertime. So many things that I like. I like it when my dentist says, you don't have any cavities. I love that. <clears throat> I like to give someone something and see how much joy it gives them, how much pleasure it brought to their lives. I really like that. I love it when I drop my phone and it doesn't shatter the glass. <laughs> I like hot chocolate. Some of y'all like coffee and all that, but I like hot chocolate. How many of you like coffee? All right. The pleasure. I like hot chocolate. How many hot chocolate folks we got in here? All right. Hot chocolate. I love hot chocolate. Um, I like it when I'm having so much fun, I just totally lose track of time. And the time's just flying by, and I don't care. I don't even know what time it is. I'm just having fun. These are the, some of the things um, that I like. I like it when I have those moments when I say, you know what? I just love being me. And I love living my life, those happy moments. A lot can be going on that isn't happy. A lot can be going on that I wish wasn't. But if you have enough happy moments, it can offset those other things that you might be working your way through. A lot of times, it just means, what are you focused on? What are you really looking at? Uh, what has captured your attention? If you're focused on the right things then life is better. But somehow, getting focused on the wrong things is easier than getting focused on the right things. Wrong things seem to capture my mind and affect my emotions and won't get off my mind. And I can have good moments and they can come and go just like that and hardly even remember them. There's something about pressure and stress and anxiety and difficult things and chores we have to do that we really don't want to do that it can just kind of overwhelm you mentally and affect you emotionally. God, help us to be aware of the happy things that's going on and choose to focus on them. The book of Proverbs chapter 15, verse 15, Solomon said, For the despondent every day brings trouble, the despondent. For the happy heart, life is a continual feast. So what I want is a happy heart. I don't want to be a despondent person. A despondent person is a person that's totally focused on all the negative things going on in their lives. And we all have them, that's for sure. But a happy heart is a person that has decided that I'm going to focus on happy things and good things and things that bring me joy and things that bring me pleasure in my life. It's a matter of focus. Focus determines what I'm thinking about, what is dominating my thought life. Or well, I may be doing this, that, or the other, and I may even put a smile on my face and be going at life as if nothing was wrong. But internally and mentally, I'm focused on never negative things, and I'm processing them. Thoughts create emotions. And whatever I mentally focus on creates the emotion that I'm having. And the emotion is the atmosphere that I'm living in doesn't matter where I am or what I'm doing or who I'm with. If my thought life is totally on the negative aspects of my life, then I've created an atmosphere that I'm having to live in emotionally. You know, great actors and actresses learn how to create genuine emotion. 
They simply read the script and mentally become whatever the script demands. And because they mentally are thinking through a certain script or thinking through a certain scene, their emotions automatically fill their hearts. And so I recently studied a scientific uh, study where it said that the emotions that an actor or an actress is having while playing a certain role, a fictitious role, are equal to the emotions of a person that was going through that same exact thing for real. The actor is not having that, have that experience. The actor is not actually in that moment. But mentally they create it and suddenly they have tears and they have heaviness or maybe joy and laughter. And they, as actors and actresses, they know how to create an atmosphere by controlling what they're thinking. So thoughts create emotions. And if we are continually subconsciously focused on the negative aspects of our lives, then inevitably we're creating that kind of a, an aura, an emotion around us. So God help us to focus on some of the good things. Now these happy moments that I talked to and talking to you about, they don't fix all of our problems and they don't make everything go away that's unpleasant in life, but they certainly help and they certainly help us get through some tough times and they keep our life a little more in balance. Can anyone hear, you, hear me here today? So we ask ourselves the question, who makes you happy? I had a little guy here that was supposed to be making me happy this morning, but they took him out. <laughs> Where are you, Hannah? I wanted to show you Uriah. He makes me so happy. I, I want to show, I'll show him to you in a minute. But think about this. Who makes you happy? I think we need to be aware of the people in our life that makes us happy. Who around you makes you happy? Who lifts your spirit? Makes you happy about who you are and the life you're living? I think being aware of these people, appreciating these people, and learning to allow these people to lift us up is very, very important. Now, if your like is like mine, and I'm sure it must be, not everyone makes me happy. Not everyone lifts my spirit. Not everyone makes me joyful. Not everyone. But there are people that just lift me up. And once you identify those people in your life, you learn to love them and cherish them. And you learn to lean on them because you know if you're with them for only a moment, they have a way of lifting you up. A quick phone call or even a text, a quick embrace or a handshake sometimes can has a way of just lifting you up because those people make you happy. Who is it that makes you happy in life? As I said, not everyone makes us happy. If you focus on all the people that make you miserable, well, then pretty soon you're feeling miserable about your whole life. God help us to remember and focus on the people that make us happy. You know, if someone really does add happiness to my life, but I'm not aware of it and I'm not really um, cognizant of how much happiness they're giving me and how miserable my life would be without them, you know, I'm not thankful and I'm probably not appreciative probably don't value that person like I should. You know, how many of you have lost someone you love? It could be a parent or a sibling or someone else in your life. And, and you lost that person. You lost that person. And suddenly when they were gone, you realized a big part of your life died with them because they were giving you happiness and you really didn't realize the, 
the value they were to life. So what I'm saying is while they're alive, let's remember who's giving us happiness and not neglect them or overlook them and, and not take for granted people that really are keys to our happiness from day to day to day. You can't be thankful and appreciative if you don't realize what they're giving to you. Every relationship has to have counterbalances, counterbalances. Um, you know, I, I, I'm assuming that nobody's perfect and that no marriage is perfect. There's no perfect husband or wife. And we all have things that if we do better at, our wives would be happier or our wives would do better at, their husbands would be happier. You know, we all have those things going on. But there has to be some counterbalance. It can't all be bad. It just can't all be bad. There's got to be something that counterbalance. Let's say there's some things we're working through in this area of our marriage. We can't be working through things in every area of our marriage. You know, there's got to be some area of our marriage that counterbalances while we're going through some stuff and trying to figure things out. Uh, you know, there's things that Renee has tolerated for me in me for 41 years. And there's a few things I tolerated in her for 41 years. But they were more than compensated by the good things that we bring to the table in our marriage. There has to be that counterbalance. I, I'm assuming nobody can be perfect, um, but everybody has to bring good things to counterbalance the other things um, that in life that are in fun. So who makes you happy? Well, this little guy makes me happy. Hello, boy. How you doing? <laughs> this is my grandson. Look at that boy, isn't he fine? <laughs> and you know what, on my worst day, when things are going really rough, that little boy can smile at me and give me a happy moment every time. And it just makes life a lot better, don't it? Look at those curls in the back of his hair, isn't that, darling? <laughs> Look at that, he'll give you a happy moment, all right? Give those folks over there a happy moment, go ahead. <laughs> oh, look at there, go over here. Let's give these folks over here a happy moment. Come on. Say hello, Nancy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, I tell you what. You all right? Them, them folks got you scared, don't they? Look, look at Papa. Look at Papa. Now, I tell you what. If you say Papa where they can all hear you, I'll be the happiest man in the world, okay? Can you say that for me today? Huh? Say pop pop. Say pop pop. Go ahead. Say. Look this way. Whoa. <laughs> See there? He just gave you a happy moment, didn't he? Say, I just go around giving people happy moments all the time. Clap your hands. We're teaching him to clap his hand and worship the Lord. Yes, we are. And he's learning. All right, one more time. Say pop pop. Go ahead. Talk, talk. Go ahead. Look <laughs> <Forget> at those. <laughs> How many of you got any of these right here? You know, grandparenting is a wonderful form of insanity. It sure is. I got four of these little guys, and three of them are named after me. And they all think I'm wonderful, and I, all think, I think they're all wonderful. And we're happy. <laughs> So, not everything makes, not, not, every, not everything, we're not all made happy by the same things. 
uh, but we're all made happy by something. So when Renee and I first got married, I figured out real quick that she enjoyed things that I didn't and I enjoyed things she didn't. It, it, it's the four M's that have kept us together for all these years. The four M's. A mall, a movie, Mexican food, and a massage. And when she's not feeling good and things aren't going right, any three of those four will fix her up. When I first got married, she wanted me to go shopping because she loves to shop. And she would drag me with her. Finally, she realized, don't take him. You won't have a bit of fun if he goes. And I finally realized that shopping was good for our marriage, really good. Shopping has gotten us through more hard times in our marriage than any other one thing. I mean, I love it now when she says, oh, we're going, I've got some girlfriends and we're going shopping. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> She's like a different woman when she comes home. You have to know that. So, you know, I like all kind of outdoor things. And uh, so I, 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 when I first got married, I wanted to go camping and hunting and riding horses and all these things. That didn't work. <laughs> about, about twice of that, and I realized that I wasn't going to have any fun if she came along. So, um, so we quit all that. She goes shopping, and I go do other things. But every once in a while, she gets to feeling real you know, kind of guilty because I, I go show my horse and all that, and she doesn't ever go with me. So this year, she felt like, well, you know, I, I'm going to go with him. I never go with him. I'm going to go watch him show. So her and Uriah loaded up. We went to Branham, and I showed my horse. She sat out in the truck most of the time. It was about 100 degrees out there. It was hot, and it was dirty. I'm having the time of my life. She's sitting in the truck. So we're riding home, and she's had a long day. She's like, man, this was the worst day I've had in a long time. But we're finally going home. In a quiet moment, she said to me, Tom, she said, now, tell me again what it is you like about this sport. <laughs> it just, it wasn't sinking in. Like, how in the world could you call what we just did fun, you know? Uh, but different things make different people happy. And I think it's important that we know what makes our, us happy and we know what makes other people happy. And make room in our life to be happy and make room in their lives to be happy. It's a key to having a, a meaningful relationship and a good life. So it isn't just who makes you happy. It's what makes you happy. What makes you happy? We also have to learn how to be happy vicariously, vicariously. You know what that means when it's not really you, but you're enjoying it anyway? I think that's what Facebook is. Now, you know, a lot of people say a lot of harsh and ugly things on Facebook. I just unfriend those people. So all, my, all of my posts, they're all just fun people, grandparents bragging about their grandkids and parents showing what their kids are doing and some husband saying how wonderful his wife is after all those years or some wife bragging on her husband. And that's about all I get anymore because I just unfriended all those other people who's got some beef. You know, I just, no problem. Pretty soon all your friends are saying good stuff. And it's all fun stuff. And so you're following them, where they're going on vacation and what their family's doing and kids are graduating and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I'm, I'm experiencing happiness vicariously. In other words, when I see happy smiles on their faces 
and I see good things happening in their life, I just hook up with that, and it makes me happy because they're happy. They're having a moment. It's not my moment, but it's their moment. But vicariously, I hook up with that, and I've learned how to enjoy other people's victories and successes. The word for this is empathy. Empathy is not sympathy. Empathy is the ability to feel what other people are feeling. As a matter of fact, in the book of Romans chapter 12, the apostle said, Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. So empathy is the ability to vicariously experience someone with someone else, whatever they're going through. And in some cases, they've lost a loved one. They've suffered some loss or tragedy in their life. And a child of God has to know how to get inside of that situation and feel what they're feeling with them, even if it's sadness. But equally as important is when someone has a great victory and someone is enjoying something wonderful, is to be able to get inside that experience and experience it and feel it with them. It's called empathy. And it is a great quality of life. So when I don't have a lot of happy moments going on today, maybe someone around me is. And I can just crawl into that, their experience, and be a part of it with them. That's what the Bible said. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Learn how to vicariously be happy with others. Can you say amen? So... Let's ask a couple more questions. Who do you make happy? Who are the people around you that you make happy? How do you make them happy? Do you do it intentionally, on purpose? And do you enjoy that act? Who do you make happy? How do you make them happy? When do you make them happy? And are you doing it intentionally, giving them a gift of happiness. Who do you make happy? Again, let me ask you this question. What are you doing every day that makes you happy? I was counseling with a a young single mom that was in the throes of raising a child and making a living and doing all that alone. And she was working long hours and wasn't able to come to church and wasn't able to uh, do much but work and raise her son. And I ask her the question, what are you doing from day to day and week to week that you look forward to, that you enjoy, that kind of rejuvenates you, some some spot in your week, some place in your life that you know you're going to feel better and you're going to enjoy that moment and you look forward from week to week. And she looked real hard at her routine and said, you know what, I can't think of anything, large or small, right now in my life that makes me happy. I thought, how sad it is. And I started talking to her about how that you may not can fix the fact that you're single today, and you may not can fix the fact that you're raising a son alone, and that your job is very demanding and your bills are high. But I said, you know, you can build happy moments into your life, and you can have a routine and a schedule that rejuvenates you and lifts you up and not feel guilty for it. Sometimes workaholics feel that if they're not working, they should be. And if they're taking a break, they're probably lazy. The fact is, we need those breaks, and we need those moments to rejuvenate us and make us happy. You know, we don't have to apologize for taking a nap when the time is right. 
We don't have to apologize for stopping to drink a cup of coffee or hot chocolate or whatever it is that you like. You don't have to apologize for those things because it's in those moments that sometimes you receive the strength you need to do what you need to do. It has to be a counterbalance. What are you doing every day that makes you happy? I think it's important that we learn to live life like a victor and not a victim. If you're focused on the negative things in your life, you feel like a victim, a victim of circumstances out of your control, a victim of choices other people are making. You just feel like a victim. But God didn't call us to be victims. He called us to be victors and to live like a victor. You know, a victim's mentality is one of defeat and despair, hopelessness and helplessness. But a victor is one that says, you know what, I have challenges, I have difficulties. By the help and grace of God, I'm going to overcome them. When the Apostle Paul talked about you and me being more than conquerors, he wasn't talking about a perfect marriage and a perfect life and a perfect health and a perfect everything. He was talking about in the middle of a difficult life with difficult and painful circumstances, you can have an attitude of a conqueror and be more than a conqueror. Not because you're winning on every hand, but because ultimately you know that you're a winner through Jesus Christ. It's the attitude of a victor. God help us to adopt the, the victor's attitude and perspective on life. You know what? It's my responsibility to be happy. I'm not looking around saying, I'd be happy if it weren't for you. And if you'd stop this and start that, then I'd be happy. But because you're doing all that, I'm not happy. You know, it, it's not people's responsibility for me to have a happy heart. It's my responsibility to be happy. And I can't blame it on others if I'm not. It doesn't mean that life is going perfect. It just means that it's my response to what's going on. I have to be responsible for being happy. I will not be a victim of circumstances and other people's choices. And I do believe that happiness is a choice. I believe that happiness is a choice. You can't control life and everything that happens in it, but you can control what's going on in your heart and in your mind. The Bible talks about a happy heart. And I believe that he wants to give each and every one of us that. I remember growing up, my pastor said frequently, the very least your religion ought to do is to make you happy. I bought into that. And I believe that the very least your relationship with Christ ought to do is to give you a happy heart, even in the midst of difficult and trying circumstances. I believe that being blessed is aware, is being aware of the good things God does for us. When I'm with Christians and they say, oh, I'm blessed, I know enough about them to know that their life is far from perfect, that they are, are void of any kind of troubling situations they're going through. Many of them are in the worst situation you can imagine, Anything worse than I've, many, thing, many times worse than I've ever been in. But they still say things like, well, thank God, I'm blessed. Why do they say that? They say that because they're aware of God's goodness in their life. And on their worst day, they're better off than they would be if they didn't, weren't following Jesus. That on their worst, most trying day, God's blessings are still evident all the way around. When you say, I'm blessed, you're saying, I'm thankful for the good things that happen in my life. You're not saying life is perfect and I'm perfect and my marriage is perfect and my health. You're not saying any of that. You're just saying, I'm blessed and my blessings outweigh my problems. And I'm thankful for more than I'm worrying my way through. 
It's about just the whole attitude of I'm blessed. It's just a mentality of recognizing the good things in your life and being thankful for each and every one of them. It's the whole concept of being blessed. When you're blessed, it doesn't mean that uh, life is without pain. It just means that the happy factors, the good things in life far outweigh the unpleasant things that we experience in life. I think you and I can be happy for the same reasons Jesus was happy in Luke chapter 10. First of all, you and I can be happy in the same way Jesus was happy because Satan is defeated. Now, the Bible says that he has a short time. He has like a probationary period where he is loose and doing evil things and causing pain and trouble on the earth. But in the end, he's already been tried. He's already been convicted, and God has already sentenced him. And the sentence is ultimately going to be carried out against Satan. And so we can rejoice because Satan is defeated. We can rejoice because he has given us power and authority over the works of the enemy. When you and I live our lives and pray and worship God and live for God, then we have authority from God. We're not helpless. We're not, we're not hopeless. Uh, we're, we're not weaklings, but we are mighty through God. The Bible teaches that greater is he that lives in me and lives in you than the one that is within the world. Jesus promised us that we would even do greater things than he had done in his lifetime because of the power of the Holy Spirit that would be living in our lives. So you and I are not helpless and we're not hopeless and we're not powerless, but we are mighty through God. We are mighty through the Holy Spirit that lives within us. And that's room for rejoicing. We can be happy in the same way Jesus was because we're protected. Jesus said to them, I'll give you authority, power over serpents and scorpions, different demonic activity and personalities. And he said, nothing shall by any means hurt you. I'm glad I'm living under the hand of God's protection in my life. Anything that happens, anything negative that happens in my life has a limit and has a boundary that God himself has set. I'm living under the protection of Almighty God, and that's my faith, and that's my confession. And then finally, he said to them, look, don't get excited about what's happening here, but really get excited about what's going to happen later, because your names are registered, are written in heaven. The greatest thing to be happy about if life just really stinks today is that my name is written in heaven. And if life itself doesn't work out like I hoped or planned, if life just really crashes for me, I know that my name is registered in heaven, that I'm a child of God, and my eternity is secure in God. I want to believe that all of my hopes and dreams will come true in my lifetime. But if they don't, my name is still registered in heaven. I believe that I'm going to live a long, happy, and healthy life. But if I don't, my name is registered in heaven. I believe that I'm going to be effective and fruitful in life and ministry. And I'm going to have a loving family and friends around me forever. But if something happens, my name is registered in heaven. And that's the most important thing because that involves involves eternity. Can you say amen? amen? You know, if the devil has stolen a part of your life, 
if He's destroyed things you love and cherish, there's holes in your heart and problems in life that you're dealing with. You know, God is the great divine counterbalance. He has a way of healing your hurts and filling the voids in life and making up for what the devil has done. There's a wonderful and intriguing story about a young woman named Elizabeth Smart. You may recall back in 2002, she was abducted for some nine months at the age of 14. During that traumatic nine months that she was kidnapped, she was raped, tortured, and abused. A young girl in a nightmare situation for some nine months. Finally, through the prayers of God's people and the hard work of the police department and her family never giving up, they found her, arrested the man, tried and convicted him, and she was returned to her family. But she was, in her own words, broken beyond repair. She didn't see how she would ever be a a whole, healthy person again. She couldn't help but believe that what she had gone through in those nine months had ruined the rest of her life. But it was her mother that spoke great words of wisdom and comfort to her, words that she was able to get a hold of and rebuild her life. This is what mom said. He has stolen nine months of your life that you will never get back. But the best punishment you could ever give him is to be happy. He may have stolen nine months of your life, but he cannot steal your happy. And I believe sometimes you and I need to adopt that kind of attitude toward the enemy. Not necessarily some person that's done something to us, but against the devil himself that is trying his best to destroy us and the things that we love. We need to say to him, you know what, you may have done this or that or taken this or destroyed that or stolen this or stolen that, but you can't steal my happy because I'm a child of God. I'm blessed of God, and I refuse to let you steal anything else or another minute of my life. So if you have things that happened in the past that were hurtful and painful, close the door on those things and allow God's happiness to fill the rest of your life. He's that kind of God. One more verse and I'm done. Notice at the end of Luke chapter 10, verse 21, it says Jesus was filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. The joy of the Holy Spirit. I've talked to you about common little joys about grandkids and and pets and shopping and doing other things that make our life wonderful. But there is a joy of the Holy Spirit that's another level. There's a joy of the Holy Spirit. It's not like any other experience you'll ever have in life. Not grandkids or honeymoons or any wonderful things that might happen. None of those things compare with the joy of the Holy Spirit. You see, when you come to the Lord and give your life to Him, the joy of the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you realize that you are loved, you are accepted, you are forgiven, and you're given a new chance, a new start at life. There's no joy, there's no happiness like the joy and the happiness of the Holy Spirit. If you're here today, you've never given your life to the Lord, never really made that commitment to Christ and really gave yourself to Him, I promise you that if you'll do so today, you'll experience a happiness and a joy of the Holy Spirit like never before. There's just something about coming close to God and God coming close to Him. 
You can live your lifetime and hardly be even be aware that there is a God. And if He is, He must be somewhere far off. And then God can come near. And He can clothe you in His goodness and grace, His love and His mercy, His forgiveness. And it will be so near and precious to you, you'll wonder how you lived all those years without the nearness of God. When you invite Jesus to come into your heart, He becomes the Lord of your life. He lives in you and with you. He wraps Himself around you and becomes a, a, a part of every moment of your life. The joy of the Holy Spirit is powerful and wonderful. When you're going through difficult things in life and things are tough and you're fighting your way through those things, wow, just one moment in God's presence can lift the heavy load. Just a moment in God's presence can give you the strength to keep fighting and continue to do the right thing until you get through it. Just one moment in His presence. That's why the principle of weekly worship is so important, but it gives us a moment just to escape the world and come into the sanctuary of God, to worship Him with the people of God, to bask in His presence and really come near. Every time we come to church, we're coming near to God. And His presence gives us joy and peace, hope and happiness. My desire as a pastor is that every time you leave a, a moment of worship here, that when you walk out that door, you're feeling lighter, you're feeling stronger, you're feeling more faith. You've left something out there and you've taken something better away. That's our desire because you've come to be in the presence of Almighty God. You know, if you just stop for a moment, you can feel His nearness. There's an activity in the Spirit. You cannot see it with your eye, touch it with your finger, but because you are a spiritual person, you have a human spirit, you can detect the presence and the activity of the Holy Spirit. And as I talk to you here today, I can feel His activity everywhere. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and, of course, bow your heads. I want to pray for you. I, I know that the hand of the Lord is stretched out across this congregation to touch special people that He loves, people that He has uh, arranged for them to be here so that He could touch them with His love and goodness. If you can feel the, the pull, the loving draw of God here today, you're the person that He wants to touch. You'll just say yes to Him and be compliant, be yielding to Him. The Lord will touch you with His goodness and grace. It'll be like a buoyant force that'll lift you up above your life and the things you're going through. I want to pray for you today. Father, I thank You for Your nearness, the closeness of Your Spirit, for the activity that I feel here today. Go down every row and touch every person. May the joy of the Holy Spirit come upon them. May it be a buoyant force that lifts them up, gives them grace and hope, faith and favor in the life they go to live. Finish the work that you've started here today. In Jesus' name, everyone say amen. I'm going to ask our prayer partners to come forward. And if you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ, we'd like to invite you to come forward. Any of these prayer partners will be happy to lead you to the Lord. All you got to do is say, I'd like to give my life to the Lord. They'll give you some simple instructions and pray with you. 
the Holy Spirit will meet you here in this altar. He'll meet you here in this altar. He'll meet you here in this altar if you'll come forward. You may be struggling in some capacity of life, going through some difficulties. I mean, we have them. It is life. And uh, we want to pray with you about that. God cares about what you're going through, and He can help you in that way. I just want to encourage you to uh, come forward. Let us pray with you, and uh, the Holy Spirit will meet you here, and the joy of the Lord will lift you up and be a buoyant force in your life. So in a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand, and if you need prayer or ministry for any reason at all, you just want to come near God, I want to ask you to come forward as we stand. Let's stand. These altars are open. You can come down, and any of these people here will be glad to pray with you. Whichever one you choose, just come forward right now. God bless you so much. You're welcome here. There's help from the Lord here in this altar. As you come closer to the altar, the, the presence of the Lord becomes more intense and more strong. And the Holy Spirit overshadows you here in this altar. So if you need prayer ministry, come forward. If you're here and you haven't given your life to Christ, I want to encourage you to do so today. Just come down and say, I want to give my life to the Lord. If, you, if you've done that in the past, but you kind of got away, I want to invite you to come back to say, you know, I want to get back right with the Lord. That's all you got to do. We'll pray with you. No condemnation, nothing scary or foolish. Just the love of the Lord will engulf you and lift you up if you'll come forward. Let's sing. We're going to sing it one time. Then I'm going to pray a blessing over you. We're going to go have fun and eat outside. But I want you to give, you, give those of you that need a moment to make a decision to come down right now. We got a baby dedication today. I, I want to remember to do that. If you have a baby, I'm going to dedicate that child at this time. So uh, you and your family come down. Whoever the babies are, we're going to dedicate. Blessed to be a blessing. I'm blessed, I'm blessed. Living in the altar is going to remain open. If you need prayer ministry, come down. And uh, we invite all of you to, to go and have fun. We've got games for all ages, even for the adults. It's down in the epic hall to my right. We've got food for everyone. So uh, I'm going to pray over you. Bless you in the name of the Lord. Then I'm going to pray over this handsome young boy here. And um, you can be dismissed as you would like. May the Lord bless and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and give you peace. May goodness and mercy follow you. May the Holy Spirit overshadow you, guard you, guide you, and empower you for your life. I speak this blessing on the people of God in Jesus' name. Amen.